Hello, everybody. It is, uh, it is a real joy to be together. Uh, my name is David, if we haven't, if we haven't met. Um, and seeing your faces is absolutely incredible. For a year, we've been preaching at a camera. And what you don't see is that there is a wall behind that camera, which I'm sure you could have anticipated. But there, there is a wall with, with photos of many of your faces behind the camera that reminds us that when we speak uh, at that camera, we're speaking to people, to human beings that God is really, really interested in. Anyway, that face wall is a very, very bad second to seeing your real faces. Thank you to the setup team who left the shade up today. Really appreciate that. And who had to adjust so much, uh, stand out in the sun to make sure that uh, we all get here. Thanks team for uh, kicking it into gear uh, this morning. One quick word on baptism. We are uh, planning a baptism soon. And if you're interested in, in baptism, you wanna know what it's about. We're doing a baptism class uh, in the near future. Um, in essence, baptism is this uh, amazing way with which we identify with Christ's death and His resurrection, uh, as well as with the church. Uh, and it's a physical symbol of what God has done for us in taking away our old life and giving us new life. And to embody that through baptism is, a, is an incredible privilege. If you want uh, information about that, you can just get online. You can come talk to me afterwards, uh, any one of that. Would you pray with me? God, as we step into this next, uh, this next moment of Pentecost, looking at the power of your Spirit among your people, your very presence with us and what that means, we ask for your Spirit to be here. We invite, not because you need an invitation, but because we want to say our hearts are open to hearing from you to being changed by you because from you come the words of life and God we long for that our hearts long for that our souls long for your words of life today we pray in your name amen so last week Caleb spoke on uh, forgiveness and the Holy Spirit in our greatest uh, mistakes and often we hear about forgiveness in light of justification in other words uh, we look for absolution from something and we need forgiveness, the weight of guilt we want off our shoulders. But one of the greatest dimensions of forgiveness is the relational restoration that it brings. Last week was almost part one of what we're talk talking about today, which is the Holy Spirit and relational distance. Uh, now, tomorrow is uh, Lisa and my 18th anniversary. I know that's hard to believe. But it's true. Oh, I, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. That's definitely not for me. But uh, it is our 18th anniversary. And uh, she, she's absolutely amazing. Uh, I, I'm really I'm so grateful for her. For her. I, I, I wish I could say more, but this is not the place. Um, she has just been so much more than that young guy with a lot of hair hoped for when we did get married. Uh, and life has changed us a lot, as you can see. Um, but if I had to make up a scenario um, and, and, and say that Lisa and I had a, had a row or, or a kerfuffle or a fight or whatever you call it, um, it, it, hypothetically, hypothetically, don't worry about us, we're fine. If that had to happen, um, I have this hypothetical unhelpful practice. Uh, and it kind of goes like this. I get to the sorry too quickly. 
I get to the point of sorry too quickly. And uh, the reason I do that, and here's what I mean, is I say what I'm supposed to say to absolve myself from the weight and the guilt that I feel for my part in that process. And I leave the full weight of responsibility for our discord on her shoulders. So I make sure I'm the first one to say sorry. And as you can imagine, that doesn't necessarily restore relational closeness. Anybody married here would... No, I, I, it never happens to you. I know, it's just a hypothetical situation. Uh, it, it does not restore closeness and it often adds to the harm that has been done. Now, I don't know how she knows, but she knows when I'm genuinely sorry and I experience genuine forgiveness and redemption in that moment. But restoration of relationships is at the forefront of God's heart when it comes to forgiveness. Remember, righteousness is a relational term. You can be holy by yourself or just in a situation, but righteous demands that there is a relationship that is in right standing. So righteousness, uh, we see in scripture, exalts a nation. And the pandemic where we are right now has highlighted a slew of unrighteousness in our nation and not only that but also revealed a bunch of brokenness in our interpersonal relationships this is a perfect moment to remind ourselves that we are very very good at uh, making some grave mistakes when it comes to our rich, uh, our relational standing if you're unmarried here today we've said this before but there is a tendency and a temptation to compare what you've experienced let's say through this pandemic to compare your worst, the, the worst parts, the, the most trying parts of you not being married with the best parts of those who are married. And then if you're married, there's a, there's a temptation to compare the, the, the worst parts of being married to the best parts of being single. And so we create this ever increasing discontent as we deal with the relationships we find ourselves in or the lack of relationships we find ourselves in. And every now and then, like has happened recently, people would say this phrase, man, marriages are really under attack right now. Or say, man, relationships are just really, really tough right now. Now, I know what we mean. I've said that. And it is true. But I also think I want us to see these three things today from the text. Firstly, that relationships are always under attack. You'll see it in the text. Two, the coming of God's reign and His kingdom is evidenced by relational restoration. And three, the Spirit of God poured out at Pentecost is God's deposit guaranteeing our inheritance and relational wholeness. So, from the shepherding feedback that we do receive, we can be honest and say the pandemic has seemed to amplify relational distance and relational friction, leaving us with many relational challenges and relationships in need of help. And so we ask ourselves, how can we seek God to break into our relationships, all of them, and see it restored to His original plan? So to do this in the text, I'm going to back up quickly, look at the narrative arc of Scripture, and look at it through these four relational lenses. Relationship with God, relationship with self, relationship with others, and relationship with the, with the world at large. In Genesis, we see that God created from and for relational 
wholeness. So God, in, in Genesis 1, it says, in the beginning, God created, and the Spirit of God, one kind of throwaway line was, the Spirit of God was hovering over the, over the waters. The Spirit of God was present, specifically mentioned in the creation narrative. And then it says, God says, let us make man in our image. In other words, there's a plurality of persons in the creation story. This is very significant because God did not create us from a place of relational lack. He created us fully fulfilled and joyfully engaged in the beauty of the Trinity. And He created us to share that relational wholeness with us. So we see God, we see self, we see the identity and the relationship we have with our self-identity in this beautiful line that God created us in His image. That His image in us is our departure point for how we relate to ourselves and understanding ourselves. We also see our relationship with others. We see a human partnership where God says it is not good for man to be alone. He says, if you're created in my image, then surely you are created for relational wholeness. And so God creates humans for one another. And it is a relational framework within which we exist. And then we see this kind of on, on the side. Uh, I'll mention this because I, I can't go into it too deeply, but it matters. We see him giving them the act of sexuality to kind of be the apex of relational intimacy, a deep intimacy that happens between a, a husband and a wife. And it, it, it's, it's incredible because in this kind of picture, physical picture, it is a, a, a resemblance of the very nature of God. Sharing in uh, what could be procreation and joy and oneness, it says the two will become one. You're sharing in something of the essence of the nature of God. Relational intimacy and closeness that we were created for. Now, a quick contrast is this. The, the word for, for intimacy in, in, in uh, Genesis is to know. The actual word for, for sexuality is to know. It means to know. Now, contrast that with how our culture per perceives sexuality, sexuality. Consider the devastating power of, of a forced sexual act. Consider the, the consumer relationships that is cultivated through things like pornography or, or, or just kind of empty one-night stand relationships or, or hookup culture. Consider how that departs from the, the, the created intent, which is deep knowing of one another. And consider a spouse without the initiative to know deeply. There's something missing. And that's why sexuality is so important in God's design. Now, with the world, God commands us to reign in His character, to govern and to take care of the world that we were given. That is the Genesis account. We are with Him. Remember, Adam and Eve walked closely with Him, spoke to Him. They were with Him. We become like Him and were created to be like Him. And therefore, we can govern and love as He loves. That's the pattern in creation. But then the fall happens. Brokenness, human brokenness and rebellion. There's a kind of essential loss that happens relationally in the fall. 
God's perfect loving union. You have to remember that when you rebel against God, it is only logical that one of the things that is lost in the rebellion of man against God is loving union. From God, again, God's self, others' world, from God, Adam and Eve hide because they have shame and guilt. They cover themselves up. From self, their image-bearing capacity is cracked, it's broken, it's distorted, and they begin to misrepresent the heart of God. Between human, others, the strife between Adam and Eve is evident. They play the blame game. The discord they carry between themselves is carried over to their children, powerfully illustrated in Cain's response when Abel is murdered by him, and God holds him to account for his brother, and he says this, Am I my brother's keeper? And he has abdicated the natural responsibility, the image in God, and the love for other people that God had entrusted them with. Relational brokenness spreads like a curse, a disease, and the result of rebellion from God as the loving, governing authority in our life is relational distance in all directions. And so this is where it leaves us. Because of that sinful fall reality, because of the rebellion of God, relationships are always under attack. Always. If you're married here today, please never wake up thinking, we'll be fine just today. We don't have to worry. Now, I'm not, I'm not advocating that you should wake up with guns blazing and ready to, to, to fight as if you cannot enjoy the very relationships that have been given you. But the reality that discord is the enemy of God's intent to, to sow discord is real. Relationships are always under attack. Do not be surprised. In other words... The fall makes a situation where we are not with Him. There is a divide. Therefore, we are less like Him. And therefore, we can love not like... We, we start to love not like Him because we don't carry His very character. Then the redemption story is Jesus coming Himself to restore His loving creation. Jesus comes and He doesn't just affect restoration from a distance. What does He do? He comes and dwells among us. He comes close to us. He restores that relational proximity physically as well. He remains close to the Father. He says, Father, I do only what the Father tells me to do. Throughout His, His ministry on earth, He remains and reconnects the relationship with the Father as the God-man and as the second Adam. And then He says this, He says His mission was to break down the relational distance between humans and God. He says, when I'm lifted up from the earth, I will draw all, men, all, all persons unto me. John says, in John, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. What? No one comes to the Father except by me. His intention was always a restoration to the Father. I will never leave you nor forsake you. I won't leave you as orphans. He just perpetually reiterates his agenda to restore the relationship to God first. Then he restores the self-identity through the gospel, through the good news of his coming. He says, I no longer call you servants. You now remember that you are friends. Remember that you are co-heirs. Remember who you were created to be. He restores human relationships to others. Philippians 2, uh, 
He says uh, he came to break down the dividing wall of hostility. His agenda, this is uh, Paul writing about, uh, about Christ, was to break down the things that divide humans. And so when Jesus comes to inaugurate the kingdom through his life, death, and resurrection, and the Genesis parallel in John is staggering. The Spirit of God is there upon him. And Jesus made a way that we can be with the Father again, that we can be like him again, and that we can love and rule our world in our world as he would. The undoing of the curse and of the fall, the undoing of the rebellion and the brokenness is intrinsically connected to the restoration of these relationships in our world. So where does it leave us? We are in Pentecost and we're looking at this beautiful outpouring of the Spirit in Acts. And I'm not going to read the whole text. I think it's printed in your bulletin, but I want to make this as short and clear as possible. In the text, the word together is used so many times. They were together initially in one place. That should not have happened. My, uh, my iPad is overheating and it's telling me, sorry, you can't carry on with your sermon. <laughs> That's what it says right there. That's okay, I'll find it on here. Literally, so hot. I told myself you should print these out today. And then I didn't listen to myself. And I need, uh, I need God to restore my self-relationship. And so you see in the text, while it loads, uh, you see in this text this in incredible picture of oneness that happens uh, because of the Spirit of God being poured out. And the result of that oneness is pretty staggering, almost there. The result of that oneness is in Acts 2.42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to the prayers, and all came upon them. And here it says, verse 44, all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all. The result of the outpouring of the Spirit was a new community in which the, the primacy, the importance of relational restoration was lived out in very real ways. The renewal of togetherness. Now church, I, I have faith. I have faith that not only will God do this, bring us together in person again, but bring us together by His Spirit and by His Spirit's outpouring as a church around His mission and for His glory and our joy. I have, uh, I have faith that because of, of Pentecost and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, well, we, we will not only do this more and more in safer ways because God is a good, kind God, but He will actually unite us together through all of the divides that have happened in the last year. And I hope for that as a church, that we can live in that more and more and more. The result of the outpouring of the Spirit was a renewal of the relational togetherness. Trusting that as a church, as a scattered church, we come together again. The Spirit specifically is mentioned in creation, and He is specifically the catalytic agent in new creation. Ephesians 1, 
In Him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him, was sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance. He is the guarantee of the renewed kingdom in our hearts and lives. And it begins with restoration of our relationship to God. It is sourced from God saying, come close to me again. And some of us through, uh, through, through, through the pandemic time, through the isolation, have found incredible, joyful, spiritful renewal in our relationship with God. And some of us have, have basically felt like it's really hard to connect with God if I can't connect with His people in meaningful, in-person ways. And so you might feel further from God than you ever have. You might feel like He's not as kind as you, you thought He was because of this weight that you feel on His shoulders. And God's intent by the pouring out of His Spirit is to restore us to Him. Romans 8, The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, you receive, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption into being a child of God. And by Him we can cry, Abba, Father, we can again be with Him. Do you maybe feel still disconnected from God, from the Father, still far from Him? The Spirit poured out at Pentecost was intended for our restoration to Him. The second is self. He restores our image, as uh, our identity as an image bearer of God. The, re the relating we do with ourselves, Galatians 5, is the fruit of the Spirit. And it says, this is what happens... When you live by the Spirit of God, and it says, you will, the, Spirit, uh, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Isn't that incredible that because the Spirit of God was poured out at Pentecost for us, we can now be restored into the image of His likeness. We can, we can not only again be with Him, but we can again be like Him so that we can love as He loved again. It is a full circle restoration that God does to the creation mandate. And He does it by giving us His presence through the Holy Spirit. What parts of your identity has become crushing to you. You're, you're the mom who, who feels like she's just not been enough during the pandemic for her children. Or you're a dad who feel like you've just failed to, to, to carry some of the weight that your family needs you to carry and live as you do. Or you're, you've been unemployed, you've lost your job and your value is at least in some way connected to your ability to produce or to be wanted in a job. Or Maybe it's that your sexual identity has become a bigger piece of your identity than the rightful place that it should have. Or Lisa and I became uh, American, well, our whole family became American citizens just uh, a couple of months ago. It was an amazing experience. It is a privilege. We've always wanted uh, to, to put our roots down here and just, just live as if this is our land and this was part of the journey for us now there's an identity shift for us that happened from not just being south african but now being american but also like not living like immigrants anymore is like it's an unusual thing that we have to kind of get used to and we had this amazing moment uh just an aside in, in the car after we uh after we did the ceremony we celebrated with the kids and um and we we had 
the bubbles for all, safe, safely in the car, non-alcoholic, don't, don't worry about it, it was a family celebration. And uh, Indy, my youngest, uh, my daughter said this, she's like, wow, Dad, um, you know what we should do? Uh, we, should, we should buy something really American. Look, see, already American, right there. Um, no, she says sincerely, she says, Dad, we should buy something really American. And then, just like that, as sincerely as possible, she goes, but not guns, not guns. <laughs> and it stung a little bit. And I was like, oh, okay. The fact that she associated that. Anyway, that's an aside. We have to wrestle with our own identity as now citizens of this country. And how much does that mean to us? And, and God restores this identity. If you fall into any category where your identity is more in something else than the image-bearing call that you have. God wants to restore our relationship with others because we can be with Him again. And my question is, where do you find in your life, in your circle of relationships, where are your relational divides? Where have you sensed there is obstacles to just this peace that you get through the relationships that God has given you? Maybe it's your marriage. Let's be honest. Pandemic was unusual on marriages. Why? Because all of a sudden, mostly you spend hours and hours and hours apart. And now you, you're all together sharing an apartment together. Just, it says in Genesis, man was not created to live in a small apartment uh, that close together with other human beings incessantly. It's tough. Marriages are tough. And yet, God is here to bring restoration. His Spirit poured out supernaturally can meet you in the place that you are, are today. Where there are broken relationships in your life, the kingdom of God is still being resisted. Now, not all relationships will be healed, but we will seek for His kingdom and His Spirit to come and meet us in all of our relationships. And we will do what the text says us because we live by the truth of Scripture that as far as it is up to us, we will live peace at peace with others. We can do this because the Spirit of God has been given to us. Relationships are always under attack. The coming of God's reign, His kingdom, is evidenced by relational restoration. We can never be indifferent about relational brokenness in our lives. We don't have that luxury as believers in God. Christ's work on the cross was for this restoration and sufficient. And then lastly, the Spirit poured out at Pentecost is God's deposit guaranteeing our inheritance, our relational wholeness. Church, it is God's Spirit upon God's people for God's glory and for our joy. That's what Pentecost is. And He gives us His Spirit by which we can seek the joys of relational wholeness. I want to pray for us, and I want to pray specifically for some relationships. I'm going to invite the, the, the musicians to come back up as we finish, and we're going to take communion at the end of this just moment of prayer that, that we're creating. So just where you are, if you can find your way to, to just consider those relationships, consider where you are. Maybe it's your relationship with God. 
that, is, uh, that has suffered over the last while. Maybe you just feel distant from him and you don't know how to change that. Maybe you have just got these, these crushing burdens of identity on yourself, uh, on your person that, that you're wrestling with and you're not sure who you are on the other side of quarantine. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's your hope in marriage. Maybe you, you, you're longing for deeper relationships and there's a lack. Maybe it is a weight that you feel because of the disunity and hostility that we experience in our world day after day. Some of us have been crushed seeing the harm that is caused to people around us. I just want to invite you to bring those to Jesus now. And I'm going to pray for His Spirit to come and meet you in that place. We believe that He gives His Spirit today as much as He did on, on the day of Pentecost. That's why we're going through this. That's why we are His people, marked by His Spirit. So let me pray. God, Your people before You today, we sit on the other side of a very, very, very taxing season. And everybody has experienced the struggles in different places, but we all have experienced the challenges that come as we relate to you, as we relate to ourselves, as we relate to those who we love, and as we relate to the world who you've called us to govern, to love. So we come to you now. We ask that you would meet us in this place, God. That you would meet us in this place. Would you come now? If you don't mind, if, you, if you're up for it, I know it's hot. If you want to stand, we're going to sing this song together and we're going to just pray into some specific things as, as we go through it. So just order your heart towards God in worship.